1: Hi, my name is Agile, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon, and I believe you should too. Just go to patreon.com/slash Gen
2: X Grown Up. No life, no fun. no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown up?
0: Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up.
2: Your Basically
0: life sucks as a grown up. Welcome back Gen X grown up podcast listeners to this backtrack edition of the Gen X grown up podcast. I'm John joining me as always is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? You know that Mo is here. Hey, everybody. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a swashbuckling science fiction film came out of nowhere to capture our imaginations and change filmmaking forever. In this episode, we're remembering the landmark space epic Star Wars and discussing just what made it such a touchstone for Generation X. And beyond. That is a huge topic to bite off, and I hope we can make it through in this show. Uh, So, before we get to that, though, real quickly, time for some fourth listener email. Thank you so much, Paul, who wrote in. Paul wrote in with a subject line, 80s detective TV shows from a recent backtrack. Yeah, Yeah, cool. Uh, Here's what Paul has to say. Hey, gang, I just want to bring up two shows that my childhood self loved watching with my mom. The first being Riptide. (laughs) Riptide, Riptide. (laughs) Three guys, a robot and a boat solve something, but I don't remember what. The show was the first time I saw a nerd as a member of the team and could relate. I don't remember that. I don't remember that show at all.
1: Uh, Well, we should remember it because I was thinking about putting it in the list at one point. Yeah. yeah. Riptide was one of the things I was like, oh, let's talk about Riptide. And I talked about the, I remember a helicopter as well. I don't remember the boat as much, but obviously it makes sense. I remember the guy. I
0: remember the, its existence. I don't remember watching it so much, but it had a robot. Now I'm yeah. intrigued. And really? the third guy
1: was also in uh, the John Carpenter film Prince of Darkness. So oh, okay. that's okay. the only two places I ever saw that actor. But yeah, it was a fun little TV show.
0: All right. Yeah. It was a favorite of Paul. He says the second one was Scarecrow and Mrs. King, of uh, course. Okay. Yeah. 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 my mom had a huge crush on Bruce Boxliner and I love the idea of a normal house mom like mine being thrust into solving mysteries and international espionage oh yeah, I, yeah. that's another one that is it's, I don't know why they didn't make
1: our list they all had a formula back then Remington Steel Moonlighting yeah. mm-hmm. Scarecrow and Mrs. King it was like Yep. Some person thrust into a thing with another person that gets haphazardly partnered with, and yeah,
0: this juxtaposition of people who shouldn't be together, right. shouldn't align. Yeah, yeah, it was another favorite. I'm not sure why it didn't make our list, but uh, definitely one I remember for sure more than Riptide.
1: Just didn't think about it. Yeah, just <laughs> I, I, yeah, exactly. didn't come up. just Mm -hmm. missed it.
0: (laughs) Two very good ones for sure, Paul. He wraps it up by saying, thanks for reminding me of the great shows, especially the fall guy. (laughs) Faithful fourth listener, Paul from Flint, Michigan. Awesome. Flint,
1: Michigan. Home of the tropics, baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for writing in, Paul. We love that you did and we love every time the fourth listener takes time out of their day to write into the show. If you would like your email featured here on the show, it's easy. Just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. Read every single one and most of them like Paul's. Well, eventually, make it to this show. All right, no more beating around the bush. If you're here to listen to Star Wars, we're here to talk about Star Wars. That's going to be right after this quick break. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know.
2: Luke Skywalker was just a farm boy until he received a mysterious message. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. To rescue a beautiful princess. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you to short for a stormtrooper and defend the forces of freedom against the death star Here the winner of seven academy awards the legendary star wars rated pg starts friday at a theater near you
0: it is high time that a Generation X-themed podcast dedicates an entire show to Star Wars. Oh, no
2: shit. It's been
0: goddamn
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't even let him finish the introduction to the segment before. He's no, giving him crap already. We did already. Star
3: Trek. We did everything. Finally, we're doing Star Wars. So, thank we God. We did a Star
0: Wars debate, right? But we have not dedicated yeah. an entire show to a film. And in this case, it's the original Star Wars film. And this, <laughs> we chose to do it now in celebration of May the 4th, 2022, which is just a few days after the release of this show. And I will tell you up front that I'm intimidated by covering this topic because (laughs) this is something that it's not like we're talking about rotary phones. There's no army of rotary phone experts out there. They're gonna (laughs) people (laughs) listening to this are gonna know more than me for sure. Maybe more than any of us. Yeah, you're right. True. We want to make sure we do it justice. We couldn't possibly. Plumbed the depths of everything there is to know even about this one film. We were chatting before we started that there are podcasts dedicated to all of Star Wars, and they might take an episode to talk about the trash compactor scene. Right, and we have to cover <laughs> right. the whole film and its legacy in a single. Uh, we'll absolutely do our best. Uh, if we miss anything, you'll write in and let us know. I mean, we trust we could that.
1: Could have split it up like we did wrestling, but John only wanted to do one episode. I'm on that's host not team on true. This, one. this is the
0: 1st time hearing of that proposition. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) I'm often labeled as I dislike Star Wars. That could not be further from the truth. I'm just not like, I don't study the lore. right? I I don't know everything about it. I enjoy them. I'm just not super into it. Like, especially George and Mo are. They know it way better than me. (laughs) I think
1: it's important to point out, though, you talk about studying the lore. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I don't think we can do in one podcast or in this podcast at all is even talk about the ancillary products of Star Wars. We can't talk about the books. We can't Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, everywhere. Toys yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. A little bit, we can mention it, but there, you just did it. Right? <laughs> really, yeah. Really, if we wanted to dedicate an episode to just the film itself. Mm-hmm. That's, That's a big enough topic. I, yeah. I talked to you guys about it beforehand. Like we could do a whole episode on just act one act and one. then another sure episode on act yep. two.
0: And, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. and then we'd be the Star Wars podcast all of a sudden. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and lots of yeah. people, exactly. lots like of people was, do that and do it better than us already because yeah, they're absolutely. experts. So we, though, are absolutely sharing our love and admiration for this film, what it did to us as Gen Xers and how much has impacted society. So yeah. uh, we thought we would start by talking about the origins of Star Wars, how it all got started. The transition between a world when it did not exist and today when it's <laughs> yeah. absolutely a juggernaut in media.
3: So, yeah, I mean, we can't talk about Star Wars without first talking about George Lucas, right? Mm. He's the guy. He created mm-hmm. it. He wrote it. It's his world. Unbelievably
1: no one ever- awesome first name, by the oh, way. Yeah. It- <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's probably part of his fame. They're right there. Yeah. It is. Right? He's a
3: George. <laughs> he had some street cred as a director before Star Wars came out because he directed American Graffiti back in 73. Mm-hmm. I think Ron Howard was in it and a whole bunch of other people. But- he didn't
1: just direct it, he wrote it too, right? Oh yeah,
3: he was also writing right. Yeah. I think that gave him the street cred to try to push a movie like this because there wasn't anything else like there. No one was really doing hardcore mm-hmm. science fiction, unless it was like a B kind of movie, not a mm-hmm. A lister blockbuster kind of thing.
1: And a little piece of trivia too: Han Solo himself, Harrison Ford, in American Graffiti. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's, right.
3: That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, and I was doing some research in this. I found out that he actually was trying to make a Flash Gordon like movie, and Coppola was also involved with that, and he couldn't get the rights. Hmm.
1: Wow. So before the Flash Gordon that we did get, right. He was trying to do a Flash Gordon back then. Wow. Back then. Hmm. Still so, though he had the idea, he he started writing it back in
3: '73. If you could believe it, that's how long it took him to do about this. That
0: doesn't sound too radical. The original film came out in, what, 77, 77. right? Yeah, so four years. Yeah. Four years doesn't sound bad writing and production. That's true.
1: There's something that's important to talk about that timeline, right? Mm -hmm. So he began writing it in 73, like you're saying, Mo. And then we got the film in 77. But John, you and I had talked before we started this podcast earlier today, and you mm-hmm. talked about how well the movie has held up and how much you loved it, still re-watching mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. you were shocked and surprised that you weren't able to find nitpicking things in it. And I said that's because of how well developed the backstory was. The guy took four years yeah. mm-hmm. to develop that backstory between the time he started and when it released. I think that's a big reason why it is oh, absolutely the movie that it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I right. felt like there was a world
0: that was going on that I just happened to be watching a little piece of. Right. Uh, yeah. Definitely. It kinda of reminds me of
3: like The Lord of the Rings when he wrote, you know, Tolkien wrote those things. He mm-hmm. wrote like the whole backstory yeah. for mm-hmm. that. Same parallel, <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: John and I were talking about that too.
3: Oh, you yeah. did? Yeah. But this was like he wrote the first trilogy. He had it all scoped out. And he knew right. Vader's backstory. He knew all this before, which again I think just makes that the characters, it just somehow comes through in the movie, you know, that, you know, there's more. That was
1: something that my friends and I talked about when I was young, like 10, 11, 12 years old. I was only six when the movie first came out. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. later on, as the other movies came out, my friends and I were fans of them. I don't know where we heard this from because there's no internet back then. You know, we somehow the rumor got started in our little circle that he had written not just those three films but nine films and when were we ever going to get yeah. the others that was like mm-hmm. a big discussion point amongst me and my friends oh, for sure. oh no absolutely it had to be something like in
0: Starlog or something like where else would you have heard something yeah. like that it had to be in a magazine or sci-fi nerdery yeah. somebody
1: read it somewhere and then yeah. t- it developed a yeah. phone you know operator <laughs> game type of yeah. thing where
3: playground networking and they told three people and so on and so on and so yeah, on right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he pitched this movie to a whole bunch of studios that turned them down. I mean, Universal turned down, Paramount turned down. Here's the funny one. Disney turned them down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which, I mean, that came full circle.
1: How cheaply could they have had that franchise? Of course, it probably wouldn't have become the franchise it did, because I think one of the big things is that, you know, he ended up doing most of the financing or figuring it all out on his own. So he got a lot of control over Creative the Creative control. Yeah, yeah. Very, yeah. very
0: much. To stick to his vision. Yep. But luckily, but 20th Century Fox is who ultimately picked it up, right? Yep, ultimately. And Lucas got, I think
3: they said he got 150000 for writing and directing it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, where, now this is where Lucas was super smart. He yep. kept the sequel and the merch rights.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: the merchandise. Well, there weren't merch before. Yeah, I
3: know, exactly. But he was. Right? I mean, yeah. he thought ahead far enough to say, I want that piece of this. And I'll do this for the cheap because I know this will make me you know, well, a million $150K dollars. Billions of dollars. Well, and
1: 150 k wasn't cheap in no, 73, no, yeah, 74, it whenever
3: it was that he got the deal. Oh, yeah, for sure. But these days, that's a drop in a bucket for sure.
0: He was either absolutely insane or an absolute visionary to say that <laughs> yeah. I'll take most of my compensation in merch rights. Yeah. Holy Lord, the merchandising for this film was bigger than anything that we had ever seen before. And maybe You said, George, we're not going to dive into all the toys, right. but they were a part of what got this film made because he was willing to do that, and it was enormous.
1: I think he was very intelligent, obviously, as a businessman. He definitely wrote his and his family ticket for generations to come, yep. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think he might have used some of his experience on American graffiti because there was some small instances of American graffiti stuff out there. I that's remember specifically stuff, there was yeah. a TV tray that you could sure, buy yeah. and sit in. Remember the old TV <laughs> trays yeah. you would get oh, the, yeah. metal yeah. the metal ones with the middle. There was an American graffiti one that one of my friends in the neighborhood had. And I remember I would mm. go to his house and we would sit and watch cartoons and that's what we would eat off of while we were sitting there watching cartoons. Mm. So I'm guessing he learned some lessons yeah, from that yeah. experience. He saw then, some potential
3: maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So the rough draft he wrote originally was like 250 to 300 pages. For one movie? That was, yeah, that was his rough draft. Just they the one. down, wow. obviously. You think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, they, but then they actually started producing it in 75. Here's the other thing, because, you know, I mean, Lucas, he has, you know, ILM and Skywalker mm-hmm. Sounds and all these other things. Mm-hmm. He created those because there wasn't anybody else doing it. Right. You know, Fox got rid
1: of the special effects department. So he needed someone to do special effects, so he created his own company. Well, sci-fi was considered a lesser medium yeah, it at definitely the time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. after I mean,
3: 2001, there really wasn't
1: much. Well, exactly. I mean, you didn't have Alien yet. No. You didn't have any of the great sci-fi stuff. That we, I mean, I'm not going to say the first Star Trek film was great, but you didn't have right. yeah. any <laughs> of that. Fair out there so yeah I can imagine there wasn't an industry of experts yet to do yeah. that kind of work and especially the stuff he was trying to do I
3: mean it was definitely so far you know it wasn't just doing like a car crash now you know he had to make TIE fighters fly through space and no, <laughs> death no. stars and you know all that kind of stuff moving
1: star fields alone yeah. that was yeah. crazy hard back in the day now it's a, you know it's an app on your phone but back then <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's my uh, screensaver yeah, what's the really big like- deal
0: right
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's
3: funny. after you finished the script like in 76 they started filming and the Odyssey had original budget of only $8 million and eventually was up to 10 They were a little over budget at the end. But $10 million, you did this movie. $10 million bucks. Even in today's dollars, that's not much. Even with inflation, for that type of
0: movie. Star Wars, to me, having just watched it again, feels to me like a small film that had enough money behind it to make it a barely serious film. And I don't mean serious like the plot. I mean, serious contender in cinema. Mm-hmm. Right? I see what you mean. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. There, there were things in it like it felt like a small, gritty, seat-of-your-pants production.
1: Mm-hmm. But it was more professional and polished. Yes, all the money right.
0: was on yeah. the screen. Like every right. dollar they had. There's, it wasn't the Blues Brothers where half the budget went to John Belushi's cocaine habit. Right. right? <laughs> this, was, this was absolutely a huge film, and you felt where all those dollars went. And man, was it powerful.
1: Well, I mean, you think about it now, John, you you mentioned that you just recently rewatched it so that you could re familiarize mm-hmm. yourself with the film mm-hmm. and yep. that it held up and that it still holds up and that you still really enjoyed it. And if I'm not mistaken, you watched the silver screen version right the one that was first out there
0: yeah it was a 35 millimeter print that they yeah they took and they repurposed mm-hmm. they totally restored it so you saw just what people saw in the theater in 77 so I saw it with none of the special junk yeah it was just absolutely what you saw in the theater and nothing was missing to me I just watched the whole movie and didn't feel like like oh where's the special effects it felt like a complete cohesive yeah. film even for then.
1: yeah and it's what 40 years 50 years later however long mm-hmm. 50 years yeah, almost yeah, that's yeah. Right? No, 45. Shit. yeah it's been yeah. a long time hasn't it <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Holy crap, I didn't even think about that part. Uh yeah, it's been 45 years. So the film was originally supposed to open Christmas in 76, but there were some delays and so wind up opening in May 25th of 1977. Wow. Which even for back then, maybe that was bad. Six months, but hell, how long have we waiting for like that Maverick movie? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Top Gun, get with it. <laughs>
1: I mean, it wasn't <laughs> summer 100% yet, but it was no. right after school kind of let out in my area at least. Mm-hmm. So Super I would early. consider this another one of those early summer blockbusters yeah. like Jaws, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Before there were summer blockbusters, before, before that, that was, was a considered thing. a category. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, May 25th, 77, was yeah. that was the trigger. That was the shot heard around the world. Now, <laughs> For sure. Star Wars existed. There's a little indie film that I'm eager to have released. It's called... Five twenty-five, seventy-seven. That's all about the first guy in his town to see star Wars. Oh really? And, like he saw it oh. early and he's trying to convince everyone why it's so important. They're like just a movie relax, but it was super impactful to him. I'm waiting for that to come out. But oh, I didn't hear about that one. That's cool. It's done, but it's just not out yet. I'm excited to see it actually released. Maybe I'll find a show note to drop for you about that film, but hopefully okay. it'll make its way it'll release soon. But so that was the release of star Wars. Mm-hmm. We've talked about its origin. It was such a pivotal thing. It feels like this paradigm shift of before and after Star Wars existed. Before we move on to the next segment, I wanted to do a quick roundtable. Okay. Do you remember what was your first realization that Star Wars existed? What was the thing you remember? You heard it from a friend or you actually saw it. You saw a trailer or what did you see? Do you remember, Mo, when you first were aware of the existence of Star Wars? Yeah, because it was, um, I'm trying to think when I saw it. So actually, we just out of school
3: and- I mean, we heard of Star Wars, but back then, like they really didn't have a lot of T V commercials and stuff for it. Really, we just saw the poster and to me the poster just looked damn cool. As mm-hmm. a little kid, you yep. see a guy with this like light sword or some sort. And that's when I first heard of it and then wound up going to see it that summer. I can't tell you how many times I saw it that summer. It was ridiculous. But <laughs> but yeah, that was when I first heard about it. And I was actually saw it early enough. When I first saw it, there was no line. Like it no wasn't. Wow. Yeah. Cause, mm. but then the second time we went to see it, you had to wait like two showings to get in. So <laughs>
0: it was, you know, right. Well, that was the thing. The second time you saw it, the third time you saw it. Yeah. That's how people saw this film. Once they yeah. were aware it existed, it was, it was like the Titanic of its day for the first time. Right. People going <laughs> four and five times in a row. Right. Similar to you, Mo. I was not aware of its existence until we often would go to the drive-in theater in our little town in central Florida. And I went to the concession stand and behind the line of the concession stand is where they put the movie posters up no. and I saw this poster Star Wars oh look at this guy he's standing there looking all heroic and yeah. Princess Leia is kind of like at his knee you know like kind of oh you're a hero kind of you know kneeling beside him and it just was a classic kind of movie poster and I went. I remember thinking like, oh, that might be interesting. If it comes out, maybe I'll see it. (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? knew? What about you, George? Do you remember your first realization?
1: Uh, I don't think I have a specific memory of first realization, Uh but I do remember being excited to go see the film. So it had to have come to me after it was already widely known. I'm sure I did not see it on the 25th of May. Uh, right. I do yeah. remember the circumstances around going to see it. I've probably talked about it on the podcast before, but my mother took me and my, my half sister and we had, or maybe my half sister took, I don't know. Somebody took us. And <laughs> contrary to Mo's experience of the first time where there was no line, we were in that wave where there was a line wrap literally around. wrapped around the yeah. theater building. Yeah. And we had to stand in the line and, And I remember we stayed in the line the whole time just to go see, I think the second or third showing and the cinema that we saw it in originally, they only had four theaters in that theater. And three of them were showing Star Wars. We're showing Star Wars, and couldn't keep up with the demand. Couldn't keep up up with the people in the line. Oh,
0: holy moly! Just it. I mean, everything about it is remarkable—from the film itself to the production, to the the phenomenon of it launching to how big of an impact it was. Uh, We get back from the break. We're going to talk about the people that made it happen, these characters that we all know so well, and the actors who portrayed them. So stick around. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later.
2: What if this were all happening right now? What if Luke Skywalker were fighting against the Death Star? And trying to rescue a princess? her immediately. What if you could go with them? Come on! Well, you can. Tomorrow at a theater near you. Star Wars. Rated PG.
0: We could continue hyperbole about how revolutionary the effects were or how amazing the cinematography was or the writing or the production or the brains to get the birch <laughs> on the back end. Yeah. But we've said many times of much of our media, it would be nothing without the character stories and the actors that portray them. So in this segment, we want to talk about those people and the characters that they put on the screen.
3: And we got to start with Mark Hamill. I mean, right off the bat, he was Luke. the guy in the movie, right? Yeah. He played Luke Skywalker. He's the main character. He's the everyman. Here's somebody I found out, John. you know William Cat was also up for the role ah, I heard greatest that. American hero greatest yeah. American hero could have been Luke
0: now I could see that same kind of I, innocence I could, right I could, I small could. guy yeah sure
3: but he said that you know Mark Hamill they said Lucas was looking for a, like he didn't want big names for all the parts so mm-hmm. that's why Mark Hamill I think eventually got it and also he screened tested really well apparently
1: yeah makes sense so I want to bring up something that again I was talking with John ahead of the podcast uh-huh. throwing out different ideas <laughs> and whatnot and I know this one's probably not going to be extremely popular at all. Oh. I love Mark Hamill. I think he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed his work over the years. He's not the greatest actor in the world. <laughs> I don't think that if you'd put him in any other situation, he would have become the Mark Hamill that we know now. I, I love him for nostalgia reasons. Like I said, he's a integral part of my childhood and sci-fi experience because of this film and the character they played. But I think what really allowed him to do such a great job in that role was what we talked about in the previous segment, all the backstory work that Lucas had done ahead Mm -hmm. of time, building out that whole world and all those characters and all the nuances and stuff that never made it to the screen, stuff that I'm sure he told all those actors, okay, Uh, Your guy's a farm boy who's pissed off at the world because he wants to go experience life just like any kid wanting to move out of his Mm -hmm. house during this era of time. I think Lucas should get a large amount of the credit that the actors themselves get oftentimes. And I'm not saying that he doesn't get credit. He does as the creator of Star Wars. But I think he deserves credit for the characters themselves and how well Mm. They came across over the screen. Well,
0: you know, as someone who has not drank the Star Wars Kool Aid, I'm not afraid <laughs> of agreeing with you there. I don't think Mark Hamill is an amazing actor. You're, you're not going to see him portraying Shakespeare or something. I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. But I don't see him in that role. I think Lucas and whoever his casting people were, they picked the right guy to embody that character, though, as Luke Skywalker. Yeah. He was a little naive. He mm-hmm. was a little, not very world wise, right? But he was ambitious and he was hungry and you got that out of him. And if, if that was the only role he ever did, which it wasn't, he went on to do other things. Sure. He was perfect for that role. So mm-hmm. if nothing else, though, he's not a super versatile actor. He's a great voice of the Joker. You know, he could do crazy <laughs> <Right>. voices, <laughs> yeah, <sure>. but <laughs> he was absolutely great for that role. I, I even William Catt, who I love, I could not envision him doing nearly the same job. Yeah, I mean,
1: I love Mark Hamill as Cockknocker. He's awesome in that way <laughs> what what is that it's in the jay and silent bob movie where oh they parody oh, okay. the star wars
0: <laughs> sorry I'm sorry i wasn't familiar with cock knocker my bad <laughs> <laughs> want to move on to the next pivotal character in Star Wars so this is Princess Leia Organa mm. portrayed by uh, the late great Carrie Fisher yeah. uh, who uh, who left us just just a few short years ago just before the last film in the Star Wars series came out Here's an actress who uh, similar to Mark Hamill for me I don't know who else I could see in that role she had uh, an issue supposed to be royalty I believe that she was supposed to be headstrong strong yeah. for her people. I get that. But she was also vulnerable. And I was able to get all that together out of her, her portrayal. Uh, it's just perfect casting here, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah? I got to ask
1: Mo a question on this character. Was it always planned in the Lucas writing and the story building? Because I don't know this that they were brother-sister? Was that always a thing? Because in that first film, that never comes across. I believe so. I'm not 100%, though, to be honest. I don't
3: know for sure. I believe that was all part... Like, when he wrote this thing, he knew all the relationships. Now, whether he told them that at
1: this point... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe he didn't. (laughs) You know, even into the second film, that never comes across. Yeah. Right.
0: You know, having just rewatched this first film, I, I got the feeling that that was known by the filmmakers for sure, but maybe not the actors, because clearly when he first sees her in the jail cell and she's kind of laying on the bed seductively, mm. and he's like <laughs> kind of gobsmacked. And then at some point, he's trying to talk Han Solo out of like, "Oh yeah. no, she would never go for you," you know, trying to save <laughs> right. her for himself, as if those were the only two options in the universe. Is him <laughs> or Han Solo, right? Really,
3: it is a galaxy far, far away. So. But
0: also, they didn't break that creepy barrier. Like even when she gave him a kiss, it was a peck on the cheek. Right there was no passionate kiss or anything. They kept that possibility of an innocent love for one another, well, being siblings in there.
1: Until the second film.
0: Okay, a little more happened in the second film, but still. <laughs> yeah. yeah, We're not but talking still, about that one yeah. now. I'm living <laughs> in my little bubble. La, 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 la.
3: <laughs> so, but Here's the funny thing. You know who else was up for that role? Cindy Williams.
0: Laverne
1: Shirley? <sighs> Laverne Shirley. You know, really? I've heard that over the years. I would Mm-mm. not have liked her
3: for that oh, role. I, I'm just saying nope. Karen Allen from uh, Indiana Jones, the original Indiana Jones. No. No, I could see that one a little more. And Jodie Foster, no, Jodie Foster was way no. too young. Well, she was she, she was acting like crazy back then. She was doing a ton of movies back then, though in the seventies. Well, yeah,
0: yeah. Jodie Foster might have cost herself the role because she was too well known. Actually, because you that, said she, that, you wanted true. relative
3: unknowns. Yeah, and here's the thing that just sort of like it shows sort you of changing times. She got the role, but she had to agree to lose ten pounds.
0: <laughs> yeah, she can't weigh ninety pounds in this film.
1: She's so little already. <laughs> I know
3: she 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 had to be eighty pounds or something like that. But still, yeah, I I'm guess. Like, oh, that's just maybe cringe a little bit. I'm like. I guess that's mm. the way they did things. They probably still do, to be honest. But well,
1: it, I mean, it made you cringe now, but that was common then, practice. I know, I know. right? You
0: know? Yeah,
3: yep. yeah, yeah.
1: Also, we got to talk about Han Solo. Come on. Well, Well, everybody loved Han Solo. (laughs) The space rogue. Now, there's an actor who broke the typecasting, right? He went on to do multiple other things Mm -hmm. outside of the Star Wars universe. Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill, they kind of got screwed a little bit by getting tied in so tightly to their characters. They didn't get a lot of opportunities that he got later on. Yeah, for sure. And
0: the difference is Harrison Ford is an actor, right? He's not a guy they recruited to do this thing. You said he was already in American Graffiti. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean he's an absolute versatile actor and so he's able to embody other things like that. And it didn't hurt that he picked up another huge role in Indiana Jones. Right. So With now Lucas there's two different and, things line yeah, for your time. Vehicle, yeah, so right, he yeah. wasn't stuck in one thing, he was kind of in the middle. That am sure that helped him, but Oh, absolutely. What did. a great lovable rogue he portrayed.
3: <laughs> yeah, he does <laughs> he originally was supposed to be there just to read lines for the other actors. Oh, Oh, no! really? Um, Yeah. But then eventually he wound up being out. People like Kurt Russell, believe it or not, was up for it. Nick Nolte. I'd heard Nick Nolte. Oh, my goodness.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'd have hated Nick Nolte or Stallone in the role. Kurt Kurt Russell Russell, is intriguing to me.
3: Yeah,
1: Kurt Russell could have been, but he might... How old was he back then, though? Maybe he was too young? Maybe he was, but I just keep seeing... Big Trouble Little China, Kurt Russell, yeah. blended with yeah. Escape from New York, Snake. Kurt Russell. Oh, my God. Yeah, that would be interesting. He's like
0: a slightly more competent, lovable rogue in Han Solo than the one yeah. he did in Big Trouble. I could see that could be intriguing. You're yeah, right.
3: Intri- I mean, it, almost like Man. another universe to see this with different, these other roles that have been fun. Right. <laughs>
1: Somewhere in the multiverse, Kurt yeah, Russell exactly. was Han no. Solo. <laughs> I want to
0: see those outtakes. Yeah, right.
1: I'm going to tell you, if we're going to talk about real, genuine actors, mm-hmm. one of the first ones on my list is Alec Guinness ah, playing. Absolutely. Obi-Wan. Oh Holy yeah. Holy oh hell.
0: Yeah. Heavy hitter.
1: Heavy heavy hitter. And his work in that film was so subtle and powerful at the same yeah. time. Like mm-hmm. there's no big brashness of his scenes. Mm-hmm. Like when he's in the scene on the Millennium Falcon with Luke trying to teach him the ways of the force and Han Solo's giving him shit for it. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Need a good blaster at your side, kid, you know, all that kind of stuff. He just takes up all the authoritative space with like two lines yeah, in does. the whole scene. And Fuck Han Solo, fuck Chewbacca, fuck Luke. It's Obi Wan <laughs> is the man in yeah. that scene.
3: You know, it's funny. I just I rewatched it recently too, to prepare for this. And one thing that struck me about his acting is that he just looked just so comfortable Mm -hmm. in the movie. He was mm -hmm. relaxed.
1: Yeah, exactly. He was
3: just relaxed. He just glided through those scenes.
1: You wonder if he was like, because sci-fi was not a thing then, right? Mm Sci-fi was very looked down upon, as we've talked about. You wonder if he was like, yeah, this little Bush League bullshit production, I'll just say my lines and get out of here. (laughs) But it just came across so effortless. (laughs) I have
0: heard that in hindsight, he was not happy to have been affiliated with it just because- He was kind of like pigeonholed is like, oh, you're Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he's like, no, no, that's a thing I did. Quit that. Right. He didn't like being so associated with something that, like you said, in that time, sci-fi was, it was kid stuff. It was Flash right. Gordon, right? It was stuff. You know, stuff. I've
1: heard Patrick Stewart even saying things like that about Next Generation early on you know early on now yeah. he loves it and he loves being Until a part of it became of
0: his, his, his career and his entire <laughs> livelihood right <laughs> yeah.
1: but these, those guys were all you know heavy hitting English Shakespeare mm-hmm. actors oh yeah I mean he Alec was in like, Lawrence was,
3: of Arabia and, oh you know, yeah right. Requ- I mean, he was in amazing films he was perfect
0: and what we talked about some alternate casting was Alec Guinness the first choice for Obi-Wan or yeah I
3: think he was the only one because he he wanted a seasoned actor for that role he knew ah, that that role good. needed good call an established seasoned actor he was the mentor
0: yeah, yeah exactly he, he,
3: Need that right? Yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing that I found out that I thought this was brilliant. He got paid to do this role. I mean, he got paid some money, but he got two and a quarter percent of the royalties from Lucas to do the role. Oh, wow! <laughs> wow. <laughs> and basically, they said that by itself paid him Ching.
0: millions and millions Ching. of dollars. No kidding.
1: <laughs> you know, so he must have seen something. I wonder if that movie. was like in perpetuity and got passed to his family and <laughs> oh, Disney geez. bought it. Oh man! <laughs> <holy laughs> well.
0: Even if it's not, the interest alone is taking good care of his family, I expect. You're Probably, kidding
1: me? On he top of the rest all. of his career. Yeah. Yeah, whoever
3: his agent was, deserved the raise back then, because his agent did a great job <laughs> of negotiating Well, it's, You one. know, it's
1: an easy position to be in. If he was the one that Lucas wanted... Yeah, that's true. You know, you're coming and asking me to come be in your mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. All right, put your money where your mouth is.
0: Here's my price. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Right. Oh, Talking about seasoned actors, we also got Peter Cushing in there.
2: Yeah. Oh. As, uh, uh,
0: what was his name? Uh, he was the, the, the boss, general guy. Tar- Grand Moff Tarkin. Okay, sorry, I don't know all the characters' names, sorry. But yes, <laughs> okay. he's an old guy, Big Boss of the Death Star. Yes, that guy.
1: They don't really <laughs> use his character's name in the film. You're, I don't blame oh, you do for not, not knowing no. that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay. they, they never Nobody really calls, calls him, him Grand Moff Tarkin, Tarkin in any part of the film. I think, a Leia refers to him only by his last name yeah she once. does that's it I'm trying, I, I just huh. was just thinking like
3: they might call him by his name I don't
0: yeah. think so this is part of the thing tiny aside is, is I, this is going to be a four hour episode oh my god tiny aside is that <laughs> we talked about that universe building that I felt there was an entire world that the film was letting me see a little window into mm-hmm. things like this he's not General Tarkin what the hell is a grand moth <laughs> yeah
3: exactly nobody ever explained
0: it <laughs> right they made up like these ranks and roles and, you know, the, this all this universe of just let's make up new like military ranks.
1: And I don't even know if Moff is the rank. That might be his first name for all I know. That's true. Maybe yeah. is Moff Tarkin. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Or maybe his oh, name awesome. is Grand Tarkin and Moff is his
0: nickname. You know, we just call him Moff. I don't know.
3: His, his buddies call him Moff. You know? <laughs> it's a nickname he picked up in boot camp. <laughs> it's all
0: part of that fleshed out world. Yeah. Mo Moff is at it again. Right. No. <laughs> so. Actually, Christopher Lee was initially offered the role.
1: I can see that. Yeah, very similar actor. Now, he did do the later movies. He was in the later movies, but... I think you could use Christopher Lee, and I would have been okay with it yeah, in that I think role. Yeah, so too. But I think the guy, Cushing, who got the role, he was... Again, so iconic that they had to CGI him <laughs> yeah. later on into a later into film, the, yeah, into the other yep. films just because he was that damn rememberable. Right. Well, and like he's the boss or the moff or whatever of the
0: Death Star. So yeah. if you're gonna be on the Death Star later film, how would you not have the boss there? That just makes sense. Yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And he
0: was a presence you needed, of course.
3: Yeah. The probably the best non-speaking role was Chewbacca. Right. He spoke.
0: <laughs> he just didn't speak English. He, he just can't understand it. That was right. Peter.
1: Mayhew, uh, and he passed recently didn't he? He did, Peter. Yeah, not too long ago. Yep. yep, and he did that growl himself. That wasn't really. I didn't know that. I think I remember, and I, I could be wrong, and we'll probably get tons of mail, which is great anyway <laughs> because we sure. always Okay, that's but all right. I, I thought I remembered seeing him at a convention one time, not in person, but like a video of him being at a convention and doing that growl, the Chewbacca growl. Really?
3: I, yeah. Oh, that I would have paid money for that. That would <laughs> been awesome. Well,
0: Here's the thing. If I play Chewbacca and I'm running the circuit, I'm going to learn how to do that growl. So whether he <laughs> n- did it originally right. <laughs> or not, he was capable of doing it eventually. Good on him. Well, he was a giant of a guy too. Oh, he's, he's huge. He's like, like a Doug Jones character. Like yeah, he is a yeah. physical actor mm-hmm. that he, like, I'm sure he's a fine actor, but he, his, all of his body was covered so he had to be a physical like uh, almost like a mime actor he had to get across his emotions physically Mm -hmm. through that makeup and I think did a
1: great job well and not just was a tall actor but he had to be skinny as well in order for the suit that he was inhabiting to look Mm -hmm. proportional and right right because You think about there were other big actors at the time, like the guy who played Jaws in the Bond films. Mm -hmm. He couldn't have been in the suit because the suit would have looked weird and bulky on his bigger frame. Like almost like gorilla like almost or something. Yeah, once you add all the
0: fur and everything.
1: Yeah. I know from interviews and stuff later in his life, Mayhew suffered greatly joint and muscle problems and and whatnot. That's a shame. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it had to do with having all those big bones in that very slight muscular frame. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. He's actually, he was offered Vader first. Oh, really? Oh. He didn't want to be the bad guy. He wanted to be a hero. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like, good for him. <laughs> you know, you get a choice. Although Vader, both of them are iconic, but yeah, you know, I actually want to be a good guy in this. Speaking of Vader, yeah, holy crap. Let's go into that. You know, there's,
1: there's the big the guy. The only character that needed two people to portray him exactly. in the whole series, right?
0: Yep. One visually. One for a voice. I
1: feel bad for the actor that played him, though David
3: prose because you never actually seen him. Even when they take off his mask, it's not him. Yeah, yeah, it's the the another film? guy. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't use his voice. You know, he basically just walked around. Although he did
0: do the lines. Yep. But I wonder if David Prowse knew that his voice was getting replaced before. It seemed no. like I heard that he didn't know that. Maybe and he was surprised. I would be. You know, he might <laughs> not
1: have known. But if you're gonna get your voice replaced, you're gonna be okay with James well, Earl Jones doing right. it. Yeah. Right.
0: That's right. <laughs> Nobody's gonna go. Well, it was you or James Earl Jones. You go. I get it. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go with James Earl Jones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Understood.
1: Well, it's yeah. kind of like, I just watched rewatch the movie click the old Adam Sandler movie. Oh yeah. yeah. And James Earl remote? Jones yeah. is the narrator of his DVD life. When they're going through the cells okay. with the remote, yeah. and there's even one scene where he's like, shut up. James Earl Jones. He's like, no, you shut up. It's, <laughs> James Earl Jones is just his gravitas just through his voice alone. I mean, his presence yeah. in any film he's ever been in is yeah. that just puts him over the top as well. But God, he commands the screen with just a voice, and Prowse yeah. matching whatever was going on post with his movements, like you're talking about, John, mm-hmm. the pointing yeah. of the finger or the the throat grab with the force <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, that took some work. Yeah, well, we yeah, yeah.
0: talked about how Mayhew brought Stubacca to life without mm-hmm. any words. Prowse, he walked in a room and he had to he had to be standing taller than he was. Right, he yeah. was a guy yeah. who's demanding attention, and. I'm sure he had lines on the set, probably the same lines that got dubbed over, but he brought the visual life, the the intimidating presence that the voice then added to. I mean, th- it took two characters to make that role ultimately, and they're kind of blended together for us, but they both did a huge part to make that a really fleshed out entity.
1: Mm-hmm. His presence, David Prouse's presence, I mean, not James Earl Jones, is what bothered me the most about Hayden Christensen later on. I'm not oh, I, even yeah. going to discuss the acting ability of Christensen because <laughs> yeah. that's been discussed a billion Let's times. Not go there. I'm just talking about the fact that they cast a person who was shorter in stature. And I don't mean physically, mm-hmm. I mean, he was just less imposing on the yeah. screen. Yeah. He had yeah, no danger, right? Any of the other people that he was paired with. And they were only a few years apart, storyline wise. Like when he, you get to the third yeah. film, that's back to back with Star Wars. And there's no part of that that makes me believe that kid, regardless of what legs he lost and yeah, animated stuff, gonna become, it never no. was going to be. He's terrible. like,
0: when you make me a robotic body, I want to be much taller, please. Right. Yeah.
3: right. <laughs> they said his nickname on the set was Darth Farmer because of his accent. Uh, <laughs> and, so, and actually, they considered Orsa Welles for the voice. Oh, which, oh that I could have worked. That too. I, that that could have worked.
1: worked. It could Maybe. have. I don't know. Like, boy, it's hard to go back off of James Earl Jones. Jones.
3: Yeah, but he was also doing all those commercials at the time, wasn't he? Orson Welles was doing all those uh wine commercials. He was doing something. a
1: lot of commercials. Doing he he would
0: sell no wine before it's time. It That's time, true. Right? Yeah, he was busy.
3: <laughs> he was busy. But, but generally speaking though, I mean, Lucas deserves a lot of the credit for creating the characters and the stories, but these are the actors. They really brought the characters to life.
0: And even more that we have touched on. I mean, you you know, you have uh you have Anthony Daniels as as 3PO inside yeah. of that suit. But we couldn't go through all of them possibly mm-hmm. in this short span, but it's that's a huge part is those characters that made it believable and Mm -hmm. you care about and as we said at the beginning of there that's what makes it powerful and makes the sci-fi a credible medium not that it's kids daytime fun medium that it would have been had it not have that that kind of gravitas to it
1: i'm allison holland host of the kennedy dynasty podcast
0: Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com
2: Standby alert. Death Star approaching. Estimated time to firing range. 15 minutes. No legendary adventure of the past could be as exciting as Star Wars. Here they come. The more you see it, the, fun begins. the better it gets. In too fast. Star Wars, rated PG, starts tomorrow at
3: a theater near you. So, what made Star Wars special? All right? And before we get into that, I, I think we probably should go through a synopsis of the story for the people okay. who are
1: okay. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, why not? I mean, come on. It's a great story. It's a great story, but Jesus Christ, do we really have to read the synopsis of a film from 45 years ago? But we all know the lines, too, by heart at this point. Hey, I spent a lot of time
3: coming with it it up with the synopsis. What You didn't come
1: up with this synopsis.
3: I wrote that you, synopsis myself. I did not copy that. You wrote that synopsis. I did not cut and paste that synopsis. George is worried about synopsis. spoilers
0: is what it is. He doesn't want yeah, to ruin the I'm film for spoilers. someone.
3: Oh, geez. All right. All right. I'm assuming that people know this freaking movie. They do. All right. I'm, I'm going to post this in the show notes though because i want people (laughs) to read this synopsis it's a good synopsis okay anyway moving on from that so what made it special one thing and i like you guys opinion on this that everyone says oh science fiction i don't think star wars is science fiction i think it's a fantasy story
1: i'll agree with you on that you know it was classified as fantasy for years in Mm -hmm. my mind Mm -hmm. and i saw people talking about matter of fact john that was always one of the Star Wars, Star Trek debates. Star Wars mm-hmm. is fantasy, Star Trek is science fiction, whenever right. the twain yeah. shall meet. I think it was definitely fantasy, but I'm going to say it's the most successful blending of fantasy and oh, science fiction point. I've ever seen.
3: Yes, yes, I would agree mm-hmm. with you on that one. You know,
0: I, I've always considered this, and in fact, in the opening of the show, if you listen back, I used the word swashbuckling, which yeah. is a word I have heard describing Star yeah. Wars before, especially the first one. Because you could very easily take the story of Star Wars and remap it onto pirates. So mm-hmm. you have, you know, Han Solo is a pirate and Mos Eisley is the terrible pirate. Uh, the, the cove where they go. Right. It could mm-hmm. be someone's homeland and then, you know, rather than Alderaan.
1: There's a Princess Bride feel to it. That's yeah, right. Which is, is absolutely fantasy. So. It so. could
0: be a serial. The cinema yeah. and you watch the latest adventure of some, you know, action hero like an in Indiana Jones. It would map on here. Yeah. So I think it's a blending of sci-fi and fantasy. It's set in a science fiction realm, but not yeah. outside of the scope of, belief ability to be a fantasy well, i think
3: even the opening words you know a long long time ago galaxy far away i mean that by itself kind
1: of sets it as a fantasy not a yeah. future do you know how many times i've had to explain that to people i have too. to get them to really understand what <laughs> that really means they it, like oh it's in the future it says a long no. time ago <laughs> it's as very clear first yeah. words
0: Yep. I've had people ask me, so how far in the future is it? Are you yeah. kidding me? Zero far in the future. Negative distance negative, into the future. Numbers. Or
1: which planet in our solar system isn't on? None of the planets. A galaxy far, far, far away. Far not away. even in this galaxy, dude. <laughs> yeah. No relation to us. But you, I think you hit a good point, though, John. It hits
3: some, like, just very, I don't know what you call them, like, just core story plot lines. Like, you know, the kid yeah. doesn't yep. know he's special. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Right? right. It's like a Harry Potter sort of thing now. You would see yeah. it, right? Kid sure. Special. If I was like, he's actually super special.
0: And yeah, there was like the, the juxtaposition of the hero and villain, like very clear. Like mm-hmm. the villain is yes. six five and wears black. Black. Right. <laughs> and the hero yeah. is a young, plucky kid in a white tunic. You're like, all right. right. You're right. Yeah. It's like the Westerns, like you have the black hat and the white hat. It's absolutely set up much in the same way. Yeah. Very much so. Um,
1: and you know, you've got the classic plot line of a hero's journey. Yeah. You know, absolutely. he he matures from the kid wanting to get away from his little home home and planet out on the outskirts of the galaxy to become part of this bigger storyline the war that's going on between the republic and the and the rebellion and you know, we learn so much more later on in the story about what the Republic and the Rebellion really is. But right, what they mean? I love they, you know, that yeah. Star Wars, the first movie, it never gives you that information, and no. I think that's brilliant because yeah. mm-hmm. what's your view into the world? Your view into the world is Luke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. you start off with the robots. I get that. You start off with the androids, but really the first thing that becomes you in the movie is Luke. And yep. he doesn't the know Avatar. any of that. He knows right. of it. He knows mm-hmm. there's an
3: empire out there, but his life is really affected by them day to day.
1: Yeah. And it's pre-internet kind of a feel, right? <laughs> yeah. <You> know, he's <laughs> out in the outskirts where they don't yeah. get information that right. quickly. Right. Oh, I,
0: I hear there's stuff going on. There's a rebellion happening. I understand. There might've been some Jedi at some point that I don't get the totally the deal. Maybe my dad was involved. Like he's just on the periphery right? and he, he gets wound up in the absolute core of the story which another is another one of the yeah.
1: things that i think the prequels really messed up you know because yeah. in the prequels well everybody's going to tatooine and we've got ships flying all around and jedi
3: uh, okay we
1: didn't need all of that you yeah. could have mm-hmm. done that stuff without that but okay no, whatever yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, those movies are not <laughs> well, good yeah, you
0: had to have somewhere to meet jar jar come on <laughs> oh
1: jesus come on <laughs>
0: Well, so we're talking about the things that made it special. Mm-hmm. So clearly, the story, the the, the mm, structure yeah. of it, Number the one, world yeah. yes. that was around it. Uh, one that's really close to me and is fresh in my mind for having just watched it again, especially watching the original before mm. they layered all the CG on top. The use of special effects and how the special Absolutely. effects were created mm. and manufactured. Mm. You had said, Mo. That Lucas had to create his own house, ILM, to do these effects because nobody could do what he needed. Mm-hmm. And in a pre-CG day, so much was miniature photography and right. like composited together.
1: I want to talk a little bit about that the miniature photography. Oh, yeah. Miniatures mm-hmm. were used and they were a staple of Hollywood from the sure. beginning. That's yep. nothing new. Godzilla movies. What they did <laughs> <Yeah>. with <laughs> miniatures in Star Wars. Yeah so far outpaced and outshined everything that had come Mm -hmm. before it. It's one of the reasons why today – young kids can still watch that movie and not go, this is a piece of crap. Right. Because it was so perfectly done. Yeah. It was so beautiful. Yeah, it was seamless. Yeah,
0: there's no, oh, I see the string. There's none of that stuff, right? Yeah. And, and I often have to remind myself watching an original print that, oh yeah, this is not CG. Yeah. Look at that model. Look at this gritty model. Oh, see I every know. bolt there? That's not a texture they clicked and dragged. Someone right. painted that bolt in that spot. You know, everything there <laughs> yeah. was an artist who sat down. No, I don't not, not to take anything from digital artists today. They're, oh, no, no, they're brilliant. But there's something about model building at a small scale to look I big. I
1: think, too, they paid attention to something else that I really appreciate that I didn't know back then. They paid attention to the in-storyline world physics of everything that was going on. Mm -hmm. We talked about the Godzilla movies, Mm -hmm. Mo, where they had the miniatures. (laughs) None of that that stuff is is believable because (laughs) the buildings look like they're made out of paper and they fall over that way. Like paper, yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. But the ships, the miniatures of these ships in this movie, the way that they moved the camera along them in that slow pan Mm -hmm. motion, like I've saw... Mm -hmm documentaries we all have since then of how long it would take the camera to go through one thing at a time as it went (laughs) down the pass of the side of the ship. That kind of stuff that they did that they figured out and made it Mm -hmm. look real because, you know, they shot some stuff and then handed it to Lucas and he went, that's crap. Yeah, go do that again. I'm sure. (laughs) Do it
0: again. (laughs) And, And whether it's the miniatures or anything else in the world, something that jumps out in this film for me that I don't remember seeing before was that not everything looks like it just rolled off of the factory. Yeah. Things are dirty. Grimy. Things are grimy. It's a wreck. Right. Again, you alluded to the prequels. Everything in The Phantom Menace was made of chrome and it was shiny and gorgeous and beautiful. Now, granted, they were on Coruscant. to an itch of his life. (laughs) Yeah, but still nothing. And this film looked like you were on a freaking battleship. You were on an old U-boat, something like that. And it felt dirty and lived in. And the William Falcon was so great, but it was kind of falling
1: apart. It was kind of held together with tape and chewing gum. And I love that about it, that it was not perfect. For those who have gone to the Star Wars world at Disney, Mm -hmm. that's one of the things they captured so well in that part of the theme park. Yeah, when you go on that Millennium Falcon or just walking around, like there are purposefully placed cracks in the pavement. (laughs) Yeah. mm -hmm. Right? And there are moss growing on things and looks (laughs) unkempt. And I think you're right, John. I think science fiction sometimes gets it so wrong that they try to make it beautiful. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel natural to us because our world's yeah. not that way. Yeah. It's very much, yep. I'm, I'm. this is sacrilege. I know I'm going to get in trouble for this. <laughs> But it's very much the do. difference between Star Trek Next Generation and Babylon 5. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, I get okay, it. absolutely. Yeah, That yeah, makes yeah. a lot of
0: sense. Yeah. Babylon yeah. 5 was grimy, gritty. We have slums. We have things break yeah. down. We have labor disputes. And Star Trek is, yes, sir. Aye, aye, sir. We'll, we'll get the, the aliens for basically. you, right? Yeah. So, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Okay.
3: okay. Guys, I mean, the special effect, though, for me, my favorite special effects of Star Wars, which blew me away, was the lightsabers.
1: Oh, God. Oh, my <laughs> who, who God.
3: Who as a kid
0: did not make that noise when... With <laughs> a Christmas wrapping paper tube. But they right? did it and it didn't look stupid. No. I mean, it, it no. looked
3: amazing actually i mean how can yeah. you have a laser beam that stops okay who cares yeah, <laughs> yeah. i didn't even think about it exactly. when i was a kid right. it <laughs> was just right? what it
0: was yep like of course they have lightsabers
3: <laughs> yeah why wouldn't they and, and just that and even the space combat and the way they just did all that stuff i mean i remember watching one of the, like the many many specials that came out with star wars it was massive in the theaters and of course they had like mm-hmm. oh here's a behind the scenes show on cbs on just special effects. And they showed how they did like one of the TIE fires exploding. And it was this model on a string. It had like a little firecracker or something in it. And it <laughs> right.
0: <ended up laughs> like, ah!
3: But they <laughs> took that and made it look great. It was, it was just phenomenal. I was
0: just blown away
3: cell
1: by it. Cell by cell painting technique. Oh my crazy God. Crazy. Mm-hmm. That yeah, to put the light stuff.
0: on there. Yeah, each frame, frame by frame. Mm. Crazy. Jeez, nutty. <laughs> so this is science fiction version yes. of fantasy. They also had lots of other races. We talked about Chewbacca. Yeah. Right. Great outfits there. Now, the main aliens I thought were amazing. The Mos Eisley Cantina looked like oh, yeah. somebody went to do, the do, Clearance do, do, Day do, do, at Spirit do, do, Halloween. Do, 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 do. <laughs> it just is like you be a vampire, you be a werewolf, you be yeah. some of those things were pretty cheesy. But granted, oh, absolutely. with the budget they had, maybe. But they had no speaking lines, so
3: maybe you yeah, get away. With I don't that. think
1: they held up well at all. No. going no, but- forward. But in the day, yeah. having not seen that, I mean, you, Creature from the Black <laughs> Lagoon, you get one guy with a zippered up rubber suit or Godzilla, you get a couple <laughs> yeah. of people in those. I think they did an outstanding job of making us understand that there was a larger universe than what yes, we saw exactly. just with the human it, prov- it
0: did the work that you needed to do. Granted, I yeah. didn't see the zippers, but- <laughs> right. I, like every one of those is like oh I, there's one in particular i i had to be like a gargoyle or something he had a big evil grin like a devil mask oh yeah, yeah, yeah i yeah, guess I that's his, his only facial expression he's only been to be evil grin is all he has because he can't move his mouth he's Just a mask
3: stand there and grin
0: <laughs> right yeah i will say it was shot well and lit well to make you not notice they were masks until you're paying attention you so talk about
1: that. one thing in that scene john that you didn't like a lot of the aliens. Yeah. The one part I loved about it, though, was when Obi-Wan had to cut off the arms of Walrus oh, yeah. Man and Pig Snout Guy. Pig Snout dude, yes. <laughs> I don't I, like you yeah, either. I felt like that that moment was real. As a young kid, oh, yeah. I felt yeah, yeah. like, holy shit, he just cut off both their arms, even though they didn't really show it on screen, right? No. It was just a couple of quick cuts <clears> of, <throat> yeah. of, that was of it. the old guy <laughs> moving his shoulder and oh, yeah. you know the guys, ah! and falling backwards, and that was it until you yeah. saw the arms laying on the ground
0: as important as that is the fact that that didn't bring the cantina to a screeching halt told you more about that world <laughs> yeah, that you needed right. to know like the so music like, oh, just picked right back up another and day care. in the bar somebody lost an arm what would you like to drink it was just yeah. they yeah. moved
3: along right <laughs> also the thing is like back then you know aliens were like the little green men and that kind of thing. so sure. none of them nobody mm-hmm. looked like that in this thing like aliens right. could look yep. like anything and again I think it did the work it was supposed to What you said George was like it was a bigger world out there
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't doubt that he didn't have his merchandising in mind when he was like give me a hammerhead alien yeah probably. that's the thing
0: you only had to be on screen for two seconds and you're an action figure
1: yep because i wanted that <laughs> damn hammerhead action figure never got one still don't have one so to this day one. i wanted that
3: guy i wonder thing we talk about the special effects but the sound special effects they did like we talk about the lightsaber mm, sound the sound design effects you know, yeah. yeah all the yeah. full effects i mean somebody was paying attention to every single sound that was on that movie to make sure it was the right sound. We
0: talked about the lightsaber sounds, that whoosh, yeah. whoosh sound. The, the one that jumped out at me that's like, I've never heard that in a science fiction film, is the TIE fighters. Mm-hmm. They scream oh, yeah. across yeah. the set. Yeah, oh yeah. my God. <laughs> They're like, whoa, that's an that's an evil spaceship, right? It's screaming at me. <laughs>
1: exactly. You knew it was evil, by the way it, sounded it, it was. It was
0: giving you more
3: information. They took
1: sound effects from like the old World War II airplane fighting scenes. Yeah. Yeah. and then made them a billion times better.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that's more ILM. Their special effects, mm-hmm. their sound design as well. That's big shit over there. Woo. Yeah. What about the spaceship designs? Everything oh. wasn't just... You know, just a rocket, right? You exactly, had these. Right. Well, we're in outer space. You don't need to be ergonomic. You don't have to right. be, you know, aerodynamic or anything because you're in the void of space. So you have this big, weird dish one, or you have this one, the big block of cheese shaped one, or weird TIE fighter ones. It was creative design of ships that I had not seen anywhere before.
1: You know, for years. I didn't have a real understanding of where the cockpit was on the Millennium Falcon. I just have to bring that up. Is that oh, right? Years. I just assumed that it was in the middle of the ship. Right. Exactly. All oh. the time, cockpits are in the middle of the ship. I had yep. no idea it was that little bubble flare thing off to the yeah. side.
0: Until you got your toy. You could plug him yeah, exactly. in that spot.
1: <laughs> well, I never got the toy. That was oh, the thing. Oh. So I didn't understand it. And, I don't think it really impacted me until last year when I got to walk in the that Millennium carpet. Falcon oh. at Disney. Yeah.
0: You're like, oh, it's there.
1: And be in that part. And it was just, wow. and So <laughs> impressive and so impactful. Yeah. To me, the spaceship that just pulled me into the movie right away was the opening scene with
3: the ship that just flies over your head and doesn't stop.
1: Organa's transport? The, the Star Destroyer, right? Star Destroyer. Oh, yeah. the Star yeah. Destroyer right after. That's her. after yeah. her transport. Yeah. 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 I mean, it just yeah. keeps going and going. Going. That was
0: the big joke in Spaceballs, the ship that yeah. you kept going and kept, right. going, and kept <laughs> yeah. going and kept going and kept going, right? But, but yeah, it's like well, here comes a ship. You just saw the transport fly by, and then yeah. here's another ship. Well, there's more of it. There's more of it. It's yeah. still yeah. coming,
1: <laughs> and it felt. Miles long, even though the model was what 10 feet maybe or something like that. Something it was yeah. a huge, freaking model, though. right? It was a big right. model, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't miles, yeah, long. it wasn't miles. Yeah, you felt it.
0: effects on that. Yeah, just all, all those pieces came together. It, it felt like I mentioned before, it's like this perfect storm or lightning into bottles, like all the right things were done with just the right amount. Mm-hmm. To it, even today, strip all that CG away, like I did. It's still a fantastic film. You could put it out today and go, hey, it's a low-budget film for today, right? Right. It's
3: still good. One thing I want to just bring up again, we I know we talked about all the actors already, but the thing that also worked is that how well they meshed and worked together. They seemed to fit extremely well. A lot of it has to do with the writing, George, like you would say, or you know, and the character creation. Mm-hmm. But he picked the right people that worked really, really well together. It felt very comfortable. It felt natural.
1: I think what you might be able to say is that the casting director on this film, and if yeah. it was Lucas, it was Lucas. I don't know who was yeah, the cast. Oh, I'm director. not sure either. But that work, the casting direction work was maybe one of the most crucial keys to the pie that we got that was mm-hmm. Star
0: Wars. Well, you've said before, you know, let's look at casting Hayden Christensen later on. Mm-hmm. It's easy to wreck something by getting the wrong guy in it that whether he can act or not is irrelevant. He didn't fit. He didn't mesh right. into that yeah. world. He didn't I feel mean, like I've he fit. seen
1: that guy in things since the prequel. Yeah. He's, films fine. And he's good.
0: Yeah. yeah. He's just not that.
1: It was just the wrong person in the wrong role. And they didn't miss a beat with any of the people in any of the roles. Mo, you talked about it earlier in that segment, all the different people they considered.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: A lot of them were people who became big, wide known things Mm -hmm. later or were already on their way at that point. And still. The perfect melding. And in every case, they hit the right one. They, they passed up on the ones <laughs> that
0: might have made better sense, but they yep. hit on the right one. Mm-hmm. Well, and you also mentioned, Mo, how they also set up this combination of, yeah, there's some established people, well-known actors that bring some like credence to the roles. But they also brought in these, for the really starring roles, I guess, except for Han Solo, you could say, unknowns for the most part. Brand new yeah. people. So you had no baggage, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Absolutely, John. One thing that Lucas did, he also had them cast together, like in trios. You could tell. I think you could yeah. tell. Yeah. <laughs> to make sure the chemistry yeah. worked. And again, I just think that that's what made just helped make this whole movie really special. Absolutely. You know, a lot can happen in 7 minutes and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato and I'm the creator of 7 Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style and together we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.
0: If you're a die hard Gen X grown up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at slash Patreon.
2: From the moment he saw her image, help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. She's beautiful. He had to find her. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia in danger in love in Star Wars no legendary adventure of the past could be as exciting as this romance of the future Star Wars rated PG now playing at a theater near you
1: you know I think we've made it apparent that we could spend hours upon hours maybe even mm-hmm. days upon days speaking <laughs> about this one film and everything that went into it we i have felt very rushed in this uh, you know me like too, you guys right? gave me two episodes for the wrestling podcast i think we could have done like 20 on star wars <laughs> But there's one part that we definitely need to talk about that I think is super important and that's the legacy that Star Wars has left us and not just you know yes we've gotten great toys and other films and Disney has become the thing that it is with all the Star Wars stuff that it's got on its platform and you know Mandalorian and Boba Fett and Mm -hmm. all this wonderful stuff but also I think it really comes down to our personal experiences and how those influences shaped our desire to be entertained by this type of medium moving forward. And in a way that we never
0: imagined we could be entertained, a totally like transcendent way beyond what we used to
3: see in the theater. All
1: I knew was Star Trek before this. And Mm -hmm. I was a young kid, so I barely knew anything about that. But this totally transformed my landscape of wanting to be a part of fantasy, science fiction, storytelling, wanting to Just even if I couldn't write it, which I horribly wrote some stuff (laughs) right after this movie, it was terrible. Space Raiders was the first novel I ever wrote, if that gives you any idea how bad it was. But it shaped what I perceived to be good entertainment for the rest of my life. And to this day, it's what I compare other things to. Yeah.
0: I don't think it's unfair to say that Star Wars, along with a couple other films, we mentioned Jaws at one point earlier, started the trend of, oh, movies aren't just movies. Sometimes they're blockbuster cinematic mm. events. Right. That are bigger than, oh, it's just a movie. No, no, no. This is a big <laughs> deal. Right. This is a thing. If you miss it, you miss it. You know, that fear of missing out started getting you because well, I got to go. I got to stand in line. There's no reserved seating. I need to see. Everybody's going to be talking about about it, it was because we found out, oh, this is what a movie can be. Holy moly, right?
3: Yep. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's a big blockbuster, but also just think of like even down the road. I mean, Lucas was going back and tweaking it. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that, <laughs> yeah. You keep well, like we could keep a bullet point list of like that's an episode. We could talk all yeah, about the special editions, right? So many of these things. I know there's feelings on both sides of the fence, and I get people saying, Don't mess with my Star Wars. Yeah. And I, I think they're probably ultimately right, but as a creator as an editor i get going like oh i wish i could go back to that youtube video and fix yeah. that cut i like, did it the wrong time i understand
1: <laughs> here's something i'm gonna say about that i don't think any other film has done that I've gone back Not that i'm aware of name me another film star wars empire strikes back and return jedi name me something else that the director has gone back and re-released something that wasn't done originally. Now I'm not talking about when they re-release something with the director's cut where they add some more scenes that right. were filmed. You no, know, yeah, that's already stu- that's actually shot. That's about it. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah that's director's
0: different. cuts I'm seeing.
1: I'm talking about Actually, going back and changing mm-hmm. the scenes. Yeah. You know, yep. you talked about most Isley, John, that oh, big yeah. sweeping thing that we have seen yeah. since then being just little <laughs> tent poles in the desert. When yeah. I watched
0: it this time, I'm like, I forgot that it looked just like a mash unit in the desert. It didn't <laughs> look like a giant sprawling <laughs> thing. Yeah, it looks so tiny. And he's like, I know he said that, like, oh, I wanted it. Uh, it was something I wanted to do, but I couldn't do it at the time and have the right. money or the budget or the capability. And I get that, but that's not what we saw. Right. So that's why people are so. You know the arms about it to the point that many fans got together and they undid all the work that right. he did <laughs> to make those specialized. Despecialized it. Right. Because we yeah. wanted
3: an HD version of the original Star Wars. Of what we remember.
0: <laughs> right. And even that was based I think off the VHS's and later or the, or the laser discs and there was even Oh, there's all kinds of
1: there's documentaries oh, yeah. just about the despecialized things know. where they show you how they reprocess stuff and whatnot. It's bananas. Undid
3: it. that's, that's amazing yeah. that people took the I mean, that's so much they loved the movie though. Right? Yeah.
1: They said yep. don't screw with I it. I think one scene that always comes back to me when we talk about the different versionings that Lucas wanted to do there's a scene that's completely cut out of the original movie. It's not in the original cut. It's one of those things that would have been part of the director's cut. And mm-hmm. that's the scene where Jabba and Han Solo have oh, a yeah, discussion yeah. in mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. hangar. Right. Now, but it's just Now, originally, it's just a, a kind of a like, headset mm-hmm. guy and a wool-looking outfit and everything. Right. But then Lucas had a different vision for what Jabba the Hutt became. Mm-hmm. And when he did his new stuff and added stuff in, we saw what became Jabba the Hutt in Return of the Jedi, which was much later. It just goes to show that he had these different visions in his head, but couldn't execute them at the time. Right, mm-hmm. and I get why people say, "Don't mess with what I fell in love with." I totally get that because I'm kind of on that boat too. But yeah, if yeah. you were just simply prevented because of the technology <laughs> that was available to said. you in the day, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I, I'm not sure. I guess if it if I'd have seen Worm Job of the Hutt in the first Star Wars film, I'd have loved the shit out of that and wanted that character <laughs> yeah. more than Hammerhead.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, really? he don't yeah. want that guy. I want the big slug. He's awesome. Yep. <laughs> Think of all the parodies that are out there, too, though.
1: Oh. oh everything
0: parodies Star Wars. I mean, Spaceballs. Yep. Spaceballs, for real. Went all in on that one. <laughs> yep. I remember uh, Troops. The thing was like cops, but it was the stormtroopers. just the troopers, <laughs> yeah. a yeah. little short film. Yeah. Yeah, it's another little parody it took a slice of it. That's how big Star Wars was. They could just take this one little group of characters and spin it off to this short and you got it. You know, it, yeah. was, it had the whole world behind it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hardware Wars. Oh, yeah. I remember oh, being in yeah. middle school was and an checking iron. that out from the library yeah. on, a, on a film reel and getting the projector and showing it at school really? in the library. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> loved Hardware Wars. That was awesome. Apparently, that's Lucas's favorite parody. Oh, Hardware Wars? Really? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Family Guy did a bunch of parodies. Oh, jeez. I think they started calling it, was it Blue Harvest? Because wasn't that the code name for the shooting when they were in Tunisia or wherever? Oh, was it? And then I think it was. And that's why Family Guy called theirs Family Guy Blue Harvest. Because that was, <laughs> the, that was the fake production they used to not tell people what they were well, doing. Well, I mean,
1: even, what was it, Fanboys, right? The guys were oh, on yeah, a mission right? to go. I mean, that's not a parody. But all these things built around a love of Star Wars, mm-hmm. I think they all count to some degree oh, or another. Absolutely. Because it's a common
0: experience. There's, mm-hmm. It's
1: hard to find anyone
0: who doesn't at, at least seen it more likely is a fan or has some personal experience with it or memory that you can touch off of. So it's fertile ground to do these things because the whole idea of parody is you got to know the original to know what you're making fun of. (laughs) Everybody knows it so terribly well. And we've alluded to several times, once you have something established that well, Lucas was smart enough, the merch, the merchandising, all this. And it wasn't just t-shirts. It wasn't just lunchboxes. It was everything you saw on screen kids wanted and they made it.
1: You know what I want to know? Somebody out there on the internet has probably done this. I just want to know how many individual pieces of merchandise have been created from the Star Wars franchise. Now, I don't mean all the prequels and the sequels or any of that stuff. I'm talking about just
3: the first film. Oh, geez, It's got to be thousands.
1: Lunch boxes and TV yeah. trays and, and action figures and, yeah. and posters. I just want to know. Everything that exists, I feel like there's a Star Wars version of it. <laughs> if you
0: have a toothbrush, Star Wars toothbrush. If you have mm-hmm. curtains, Star Wars curtains, right? Yeah. If you have a throw rug, Star Wars throw rug, right? <laughs> you have a door knocker, Star Wars door knocker.
1: It's everything. I just want to know what that count is because I I got Jeez. a feeling it's got to be tens of thousands, if not hundreds. Oh, yeah. How many
0: things exist? It's that many. I mean, <laughs> many just, there's, there's a Star Wars version of it. Well, Spaceballs made fun of that, right? It's yep. like, you know, Spaceballs with the mud flap, Spaceballs with <laughs> yeah. the towel, Spaceballs the, Because they knew Star Wars is right, They were parodying its impact on us commercially inside yep. of that film, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about huge fandoms built up around oh, just geez. Star Wars? I mean, people talk about Trekkies, but the Stormtrooper group groups are oh, the final first.
1: Oh my god. I would yeah. say yeah, Trekkies are probably the first iteration of that thing, right? No, sure. but Absolutely. I would say the 501st and the R2D2 builders oh, that are yeah. out there. Oh yeah, the constructor guys, yeah. I would say that those guys have taken it to an even bigger level than what any of us did. John and I were in the Star Trek club. We've talked sure. about it a billion times on the podcast. Mm-hmm. What yep. did we create? John probably went the most elaborate with his Klingon costume. I <laughs> had a Klingon costume. Which was pretty freaking awesome, though. It was. It was incredibly awesome. But it wasn't an R2-D2. <laughs> nope, wasn't, nope. You're right. Right? I mean, people spend hundreds of thousands on some of this stuff that they get involved mm-hmm. in, building full sets. Now, people build full Star Trek sets. We've seen them, and you can oh, go yeah. to them yeah. and visit them, even in, not too far from yep. our area here. But I don't know. When I go to a nerd convention, as I call them, yeah. mm-hmm. there's always a 501st. There's always yes. an R2-D2 guy at the good ones, yep. at the and, good and conventions. That's right. And build your own yeah. lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't even get me started on how much that cost me at Disney this last time. <laughs> what color crystal
0: did you go with? Which one was it? It's important. Right? Well, I, yeah, I didn't yeah.
1: get one because I couldn't afford it. My son got one, so. Oh, sorry. spot. Sorry. I well, will bring it up. I'll let it go. I got I'll the R2-D2 go. D2
3: unit, so. Oh, that's pretty cool, though. That is pretty damn cool, though.
0: And on that merchandising front, we kind of dabbled back in and out of that with the fan groups and conventions. But this may be unpopular. But for me, I get now turned off when I see Star Wars merch because it's just so pervasive. Mm. Like if I come up to a table and it's all Star Wars, I'm like. I'm overwhelmed. It's too much Star Wars stuff. And I end up ignoring it because I would much be much more impressed if I saw a Battlestar thing because they're not everywhere. Oh, true. It's because there's so many. I think it
1: also depends on which era the merchandise comes from. If you're going to look at original era merchandising, you're That's probably going to be more captivated by that compared to the latest Yahtzee box that came out. That's or right. The shovelware, the whatever. branding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: fair enough. That's a good point, too. There's just too much for me. It overwhelms me.
1: <laughs> and we touched
3: on this also a little bit, but they made sequel movies. They made prequel movies. And I know a varying quality. Yep. A, a varying quality. <laughs> quality. Let's just leave it at that. You know, a very, and yep. and so, some of it I just don't understand and why they did some weird story things. But anyway, but they did do them. They made six more movies. I'll tell you
1: one positive that I take from the sequels, prequels thing is that it kept the franchise going. Yeah. I'm not saying that there was a need. Like, Star Wars was always going to be Star Wars. It was always going to be loved forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Empire Strikes Back, which I still, we've had that debate, I think is the best of all the three films. And Return of the Jedi, they were always going to go forth and conquer forever. But giving me a little taste, I I don't like Hayden Christensen, but getting to see how the world became the world. (laughs) Yeah. Flesh it out. Rogue One is maybe my favorite prequel story of all. Mm -hmm. And then you have things that have come out recently. Mandalorian and Boba Fett have knocked not just me off my socks, but my family who... I'm not going to say are as big Star Wars fans as I am, but my Mm -hmm. wife, she like probably twice or maybe three times a month. When's Mandalorian coming back? (laughs) (laughs)
0: That speaks volumes right there. Yeah. It resurrected the idea that Star Wars is a franchise, but it's not done. There's more we can Mm -hmm. do. Had you not had those prequels, Disney would have never said, you know what? This is a franchise worth continuing. They might've just said, oh, those are great films. They might buy the rights, but they might not have seen the potential in continuing it out like they have and ultimately done it service I think done it well as yeah, far as I'm concerned absolutely there's so much we could talk about I mean I <laughs> so much yeah and we, but I
1: gotta go to dinner at some point we've just yeah, we so I, it I, then, right yeah. me
0: too right it's almost tomorrow we need to give up, <laughs> <move> it on <laughs> We dedicated this because it was time around um, May the 4th, Star Wars Day. May the Force be with you. Perhaps, hey, if we're around still, maybe we'll do the next time comes around. We'll pick another facet of Star Wars or another film from Star Wars or that Mandalorian, whatever. There's plenty more to explore and undeniable impact on not just Gen Xers, but everybody that's come since. I hope if you are a fan, we have done some justice to your love (laughs) for Star Wars. We appreciate you listening. That's going to wrap it up for this backtrack edition of our show. What a great one, by the way, man! So much, so much. I didn't say that I could have. I know. know. I'm just thinking like, oh, Uh, yeah, this takes another (laughs) hour. Hey, before we get out of this really quickly, I want to thank a brand new patron who just joined us over on Patreon.com. Ethan, oh, our friend yeah. from Canada. Canada, we met over our on Discord. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's supporting us now. Now, it's a Canadian dollar, so it's only worth pennies. But oh, it's, wow. the, it's, oh,
1: it's the boy. spirit oh, that the way around oh. these days. Oh, is it? Oh, who knows? who knows? I think the Canadian dollar is more valuable than the American one now.
0: Oh, Oh, I hope if not, I just got got punked, didn't I? Anyway, even, <laughs> just teasing. Thank you so much for yep, your support. Every Ethan. single dollar, American or Canadian, absolutely is appreciated. Uh, we thank you and everyone who supports us, whether it's on Patreon or over on YouTube as a member. Uh, that is going to wrap it up for this uh, backtrack. We'll be back in two weeks, of course, with another one just like this. If you enjoyed it, next week is a standard edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you and your experts tease buddy <laughs> always fun man <laughs> fourth listener it's you though we all appreciate most of all and we'll talk to you next time bye bye see you guys take care everybody
2: no life no fun, fun. don't you know that you're a grown up
0: JetX Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com
2: no more shows sunrise. sunrise unacceptable for grown ups your dinner cannot oh, just be french fries
3: So do we need to do a synopsis, really? I don't think I we think need to. I think it
1: could be a funny joke. We don't have to read it all the way through, but we can make the joke. Of, <laughs> okay. Okay, now it's time to talk about the synopsis of the story. Yeah. What? <laughs> okay, that'd be good. Easiest thumbnail. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right?
3: Done. <laughs> 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 <gasps> <laughs> actually, it's going to take me forever to do the, you know, the tease for this one. Yeah, just, at some point, you just have to
0: stop. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs>
3: like, okay, <laughs> so it has to be a minute, right? <laughs>